Hello out there in Bourbon Real Talk land. Randy Sullivan on location with cows, as you can see. And I have a very special guest for you today. This is Matt Hamilton from Local Yokel. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, sir. Thank you for coming out. And we are out here with the cows because we have a very exciting episode for you today. We are going to be pairing bourbon with steak. And we've got a variety of steaks. We got some Wagyu, we got some prime. And you not only own one of the top steak restaurants in the area, but you also raise cattle. I do raise cattle as well. So behind us, some of our uh, Murray Gray cattle. We didn't have any Wagyu here on this on this site. Uh, these are Murray Gray grass-fed that'll go into our butcher shop as well as we finish these cattle on grain uh, to go in our butcher shop. We also background Wagyu here, uh, which will end up uh, on feed for 450 days and then end up at the butcher shop and, and our restaurant as well. That is awesome. So pretend that I am a novice, because I am, and explain to us the difference between, say, Kobe beef, which I, I think a lot of people have heard of Kobe beef, yeah. and Wagyu, and Prime, so on and so forth. So, so a great way to break that down for you is everybody knows about, about champagne. So champagne is a sparkling wine, but we all know that sparkling wine from California is not champagne, it's sparkling wine. So champagne is a regional product. So when we think about Wagyu, I want you to think of Kobe as a regional product. Wagyu is a breed. Wa means wa. Japanese goo beef cow. So we, we tend to say in this part of the world, Wagyu uh, in Texas, but it's really Wagyu. So now if we have Wagyu originating in Japan, specifically from the Hyogu uh, prefecture, and which Kobe is the capital of, then those cattle are Kobe. So to be Kobe, they need to be Wagyu cattle raised in Japan in the Hyogu region, specifically registered with the Kobe Beef Association, of which there's only about 3,500 head of, uh, and then those cattle have, not only that, they're still not there, mm -hmm. so once they're harvested, their grade has to be, now we have the new A5 grading system, you may have heard of A5, they have to be A5, or they have to be BMS 10, 11, or 12. So on the old scale of one through 12, which is the system we grade uh, our Wagyu on here in the United States mostly, uh, we've not really switched the A5 system here in the United States yet. Uh, to give you a reference point, Prime, USDA Prime, that ribeye is about one-third fat, two-thirds muscle. Mm -hmm. That means that Wagyu ribeye, uh, being a BMS 6 or 7, which is pretty standard, is not 33% fat. That A BMS 6, 7, most Wagyu you buy in the United States, that's a BMS 6, 7, mm -hmm. okay? 45% fat, but Kobe, that has to be 10, 11, or 12. That wow. means that ribeye is 60 four to 72% fat. Wow. So the way you think of it is prime, one-third fat, two-thirds muscle. Kobe, two-thirds fat, one-third muscle. So Kobe, raised in Japan, harvested in, in Kobe, regional product. That breed made its way to the United States in the 70s. A lot of controversy around how those animals got here. Okay. Uh, we had some guys from Texas kind of sneak them over. Okay. So they got over to the United States, started with five animals. We figured out they're really special. They have very fine muscle fiber, which is important. So if you think of sheets, you want a high thread count sheet. Sure, sure. 1,500 thread counts better than 250. Wagyu are that, that 1,500 thread count. They have high levels of omega-3 fats genetically. So now these cattle on grass behind us, mm -hmm. they have an omega-3-6 ratio. Oh, they left. They got bored. And they got bored. Bye, guys. <laughs> um, they have an omega-3-6 ratio one-to-one. -one. Now, if I put those cattle into a feedlot for uh, five, six months, that ratio shifts, and we have more omega-6s, mm -hmm. which are not as healthy for your heart, okay. and, and less omega-1s. The omega-6 to 3 ratio shifts. Wagyu are genetic freaks. They stay very balanced. High 
levels of monosaturated heart healthy fat in Wagyu. Typically Wagyu fat, we melt that in our hand. Mm -hmm. So usually your skin temperatures uh, sub 90 degrees, 87, 90 degrees, so that you can melt Wagyu fat in your hand. Polysaturated omega-6 fats, you're going to have a fever of about 120 degrees right, right. To, to melt those fats so they stay liquid in your body. The most interesting thing, we don't really understand how this happened, they bred oleic acid into the fat of the Wagyu. So a lot of people say, oh, did you put butter on this steak? Mm -hmm. No, the Wagyu fat tastes like butter. Yeah. Oleic acid is why butter tastes like butter. Mm -hmm. The uh, Wagyu cattle have oleic acid in their fat. That is amazing. Now, you are a cattle rancher. You raise Wagyu beef, but you also sometimes buy Wagyu beef. So this, this episode is actually sponsored by Snake River Farms, yeah. which my understanding is, is that they're the largest Wagyu beef producer in the U.S. By a, by a factor, I think, of seven is what I heard. I, I don't know the factor, but they are large. Yeah, and uh, they reached out to us and said, hey, we want to donate some steaks for you to do some bourbon and steak pairings. And I said, well, I really don't know how to do that. And so your restaurant has a master chef that is also a bourbon lover. And so that's why we got hooked up. But it was fascinating to me because I know that you raise Wagyu beef, but you're also sometimes buying Wagyu we beef. Buy, we do buy a lot. So we outgrew ourselves. So okay. for the first four years, I raised all the cattle, Wagyu, grass-fed, everything. As the butcher shop grew, and then especially when we added the restaurant, we had to have more supply than what we could produce. Um, I had a friend connect me with Snake River Farm, started looking at their product. So they're a closed herd. Uh, meaning they raise all their own cattle. They have their own line of genetics. Uh, they're very sought after, but they, they don't like to share. Um, so as someone that produces Wagyu outside the program and looks at the carcass, uh, and then I also see what they do, they, they've done a lot of work within the breed. So, so keep in mind, every, the worst Wagyu in the United States is still in the top one-third of 1% 1 of all the cattle in the United States. Sure. And there's only about maybe 400,000 out of, out of a, you know, we're probably sitting around 85 million head of cattle in the United States right now. There's half a million Wagyu. So, okay. so even being, even being the largest Wagyu producer in the United States, is still pretty small, small compared right, to yeah. the big industry. Um, but what, what Snake River's done with the closed herd and, and breeding and, and selecting bulls for, for meat traits, because when you take it all the way through, you see every carcass, they've, done, they've taken out a lot of the back fat. Um, so that what that means is when I buy a wholesale cut of meat, there's less fat to trim off. I don't know that they intentionally did it or how they did it. I love culottes. So sirloin culotte is that, that sirloin cap. You may know it as picanha. You leave the fat cap on, that's picanha. You take the cap off, it's a culotte. Uh, off, off our cattle, we'll see a pound, a pound and a half culotte. Okay. Off Snake River, we'll see a pound and a half to two and a half pound culotte. Okay. They get a really big piece of that. Uh, we use the chuck under flap for a steak we call McKinney steak that we invented as we were trying to utilize more of the Wagyu carcass. Uh, their chuck flap has more marbling. And, and so what I mean by that relative to that ribeye. Everything, everything is graded on the ribeye, whether it's USDA Prime, Choice, Wagyu BMS 7, 10, that's all ribeye. It's right. all graded 12th rib of the ribeye. So that's, that's where we grade, so you grade the whole carcass, grade the whole carcass off of, off of the, the 12th rib, the, the marbling at the 12th rib. And that's where you split the forequarter from the hindquarter. Uh, that's where the strip ends and the, the rib begins. So that's that grading point. So if I have a BMS 7 Wagyu, mm -hmm. I, the ribeye is a BMS 7. 
What's interesting with Snake River, the marbling that are in the other cuts, in the chuck flap, in the sirloin cap, in the chuck roll, they seem to have more marbling in the low cuts. Mm -hmm. uh, we call it the end cuts. Um, so whatever they've done on their genetic side is working. Uh, they do a good job of feeding those cattle. Um, on their, <laughs> they have their own ranches, they have their own feed yards, they have their own, their own harvest facility. So they, they dedicate one day a week in their facility to harvesting just Wagyu. So it's a, it's a pretty amazing program, even though it's a large program compared to maybe a smaller producer like myself, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a really good program. That's awesome. That was a great crash course on Wagyu versus Kobe. What do you say we go back to the restaurant and go I'm, I'm hungry and thirsty. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Hey there, Bourbon Real Talk listeners and watchers. Randy Sullivan here. Wanted to take a quick break to tell you how you can support the channel. We've had a lot of people that have come into the Bourbon Real Talk family lately, and we're grateful for every one of you. But unlike a lot of other channels, we don't have a Patreon, and I don't allow anyone to sponsor the show. So what I do have, though, is some merchandise. So one of the things that I wanted to show you guys is we have Bourbon Real Talk Glen Karens available for sale on our website. Um, and great news, we actually have some Weeglins uh, on their way. So we had Weeglins custom manufactured. They're half the size of a regular Glen. Excellent for tasting. On the website, we also have candles. And they're more masculine scents, so this one's like leather. And these candles are manufactured by my daughter's candle company. She wanted to buy her own car, so we helped her start her own business. And she manufactured a line of masculine-smelling candles for the Bourbon Real Talk family. The next thing that we have is kind of a little interesting gadget. This is a Glen lanyard. So basically, it goes around your neck like any other lanyard, but it's specifically designed to hold a Glen whiskey glass. And it allows you to go hands-free. So uh, honestly, the first time I saw one of these, I thought it was a silly concept. Then someone gave me one. I used it at a bottle share. It was super efficient, truly made it a more enjoyable experience as I interacted with people. Um, we also have these decorative storage boxes for your whiskey samples. So if you get involved in the whiskey community, you're gonna be given samples like this one. And one day you're gonna look up and you got little sample bottles sitting all over the place. It doesn't look that good. And so we manufactured these uh, custom storage boxes. Uh, those are available as well. And the creme de la creme of merch for Bourbon Real Talk is the American Whiskey Aroma Kit. So the story on this is I was doing reviews People kept asking me, how do you learn how to break down the different flavors of a whiskey? And I had learned through a wine aroma kit, but I could not find a bourbon aroma kit that I liked. Uh, most of them came in a cardboard box. The scents didn't always make sense uh, for bourbon. Some of them would say they were for bourbon, but they had scents in there that were really more scotch focused. And so my wife, who helped with the candle company, Help me curate this box. We crowdsourced the 36 cents that went in this through the whiskey community. And I probably went through about 350 different cents to find these 36. 
Uh, interesting little tidbit, I've given one of these to the master distiller of a major legacy Kentucky distillery, and he reported back that he loves all the scents and that he uses it to train his sensory team, uh, but I am not allowed to tell you what the distillery is, uh, or it would probably ruin my relationship with them. So, uh, if you saw any of this stuff, you want to support the channel, you can head on over to bourbonrealtalk.com forward slash shop and pick something up. But if you just want to hang out here and learn, I'm totally happy with that as well. Just happy to have you as a listener. All right, we've made it back to the local yokel. Grill and barbecue or barbecue, barbecue and grill? Yep. Gotta say it in the right order. Uh, by the way, if you decide that you want to come here, you're making a good decision, but understand that there's also a local yokel market and they are different locations. So keep that in mind. Now we are back in this working kitchen, which is very exciting. There's lots of noise going on and there's delicious smells that are coming out. I wish you could be here to smell it. Uh, but we have been blessed by Snake River Farms and they have sent us a couple of cuts of their premium steaks. And Adam here is actually the master chef at the local yokel. And he is gonna tell us some things about these cuts and he's gonna teach us how to properly prepare a steak and then he's gonna show us how to pair it with bourbon. So Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So this is a, this is a great opportunity to showcase some items from Snake River. Um, we actually are gonna start with the uh, curb at a pork chop, okay. and then we're gonna move into one of their Angus products, which is the Double uh, R Ranch Angus. It's a prime product, so it's kind of their upper program. And then we have their signature gold, Wagyu, so beautiful marbling on all these products, and we're gonna we're gonna get into it here in a minute. So let's talk a little bit about steaks because these steaks would actually be quite expensive to purchase, Absolutely. correct? Yeah. Uh, what would be the cost per pound for the the gold version per se, roughly? Probably be in the forty nine dollar a pound range. So something like fifteen. This is a three pound steak, so this is around one hundred and fifty pound steak. This okay. is not an every average you know, Tuesday night supper. Not, sure. no, and this is, this steak would be prepared for multiple people. This is not like, I'm gonna put this whole thing on my plate. You'd probably die before you finished eating it, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that I have observed is a lot of people who like steak, but they're not experienced, they're afraid to buy a truly premium steak. Right, that is the biggest, I think, detriment to some of these steaks because people just don't know. But you know, with the resources that are out there, there's a lot of things that people can do. YouTube, I mean, I often refer to it as YouTube University. You can right. learn how to do anything on YouTube. Sure, sure. So. Well, one thing that I would encourage you if you're at home and you're interested in this level of steak is, one, when a steak is roughly three inches thick, it's kind of hard to overcook the center, right? And that's something to take into consideration because a lot of people start to play with steak and they buy the cheaper cuts, which are typically thinner cuts, which means that the margin of error for cooking it proper is actually pretty small. Pretty small. Is yep. that fair? Absolutely. And so with a steak like this, it's easier, but also with a steak, like if you're gonna spend $150 on a steak, right? And you're gonna use it to feed however many people, it's okay to use a meat thermometer or something like that. There you go. And, and actually Snake River Farms has partnered with a meat thermometer company and you can buy it on their website whenever you buy the steak. It's affordable, it's durable, it's rechargeable, and it actually communicates with your smartphone device and it will not only tell you what the grill temperature is and what the internal temperature is of the meat, right. but it actually predicts when the meat is going to be done. Right. 
but you don't necessarily need anything like that here because you're a commercial kitchen you're used to cooking these things and so let's talk a little bit about meat preparation sure. okay so i've heard recently some people talking about wet aged steaks what is that do you recommend it what does it do so with wet aged steaks you know you're 90 percent of steaks on the market at the grocery store, butcher shop, or wherever are going to be considered a wet age because that's literally just aging in the juices that are in the natural packaging. The big difference between that and dry aging is utilizing air to age your steak versus that packaging. And what's really cool about that is you've got a huge amount of enzyme activity that happens on the muscular level inside the meat that come from the natural bacteria that flow in the air. And when you're dry aging a steak versus a wet age, you're going to get, a lot of things are going to happen. You're going to get tenderness, flavor development, um, different flavors that you would never get. It's a lot like aging a bourbon, right? Okay. Where you're getting things over time that you would not get in a short 30-day period. You're getting it over the course of 60, 80, 120 days. We've done 120-day dry aged here that are just astounding in how different they are in flavor from the fresh versus the 120-day dry age. You get notes of blue cheese and Cheetos, and it sounds weird when you're talking about steak, but it also sounds weird that you get cherry and vanilla and bourbon, right? Right. But it's there, it makes right. sense. Makes so sense. it's one of those things that you just have to experience it to really understand fully what the aging process does. So when I received my Snake River Farms steaks, they were in a vacuum-sealed pack, and when I thawed them, it was filled with juice. Yep. And then we had a COVID scare and the person I was supposed to cook the steaks with said like, hey, why don't we wait until you quarantine a little bit and make sure you're not sick? Sure. And I was like, well, I got to cook the steaks because I already thought them. And he's like, no, no, just wet age stuff. Right. And I was like, wet age? What are you talking about? Like, doesn't the meat go bad in the freezer and all that? And so can you wet age a steak this vacuum so like that? And for how long and what does it do? That's exactly what what is already being done in that vacuum pack, right? So it's already wet aging from the, from the meat packer. It's wet aging from the day it's packed to the day you receive it. And if you leave it in there for an additional 20 to 30 days, it's not gonna necessarily hurt the flavor. It'll actually start to kind of tenderize it and again, develop more flavors that you wouldn't have in a fresh cut steak. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so now we've, we've unpacked our steaks. We're done with any aging process or whatever. Actually, before we move on to, to that, do you recommend that people dry age a steak at home? What do they have to do? I mean, don't you have to have some specialized equipment? Not necessarily. There, there are some things out there, some really cool products nowadays that allow you to dry age at home. Um, there's a few companies that actually have created a bag that you can put the, the piece of meat in and it allows for some oxygen to come in and, and stuff like that to change the, the, the chemical makeup of the meat essentially on that level. But dry aging at home, you need whole muscle. You can't really dry age a single steak. You probably could, but I don't think it would do much. You really want to go whole muscle. So that would be the entire ribeye section. And yeah, that's a big purchase up front. Sure. You know, you're, you're spending a lot Especially of money on your beef. Right. You're holding a whole lot of money on this ribeye to put it in your fridge for, say, two months to hopefully not screw it up. Right, no, I hear you, I hear you. Okay, so we are at the point that we're done with whatever aging process we're going to do to the steak, and it's time to season, all right? So do you do anything to prepare your steaks before you put seasoning on them? Do you rinse them off? Do you add oil? What do you do? Nothing, nothing other than allowing them to come to room temperature. So okay. the biggest key, with especially a big thick cut of steak like this, you've got to let it come to temp. Right, allow it to come up at least close to room temperature. I would say an hour minimum. Um, it's gonna be fine. Let it sit out. 
Uh, and then all I do is a little bit of a, of a fat of your choice. In our case, we're using rendered marrow fat. So we actually cook, render, or cook bone marrow here and you end up with a lot of marrow fat left over. So we render that, reserve that fat, and then salt and pepper. Keep it simple, the classic technique, let the meat, if you're buying good quality piece of meat, let the meat taste as it should. Gotcha. Now, do you think that people have a tendency to over or under season their steak? I would say under. Under. Yeah. See, and, and, and I think that um, I have jokingly, because I've cooked some decent steaks in my day, and I've had people over that are like, oh my God, this is one of the best steaks I've ever had. And they say, what do you do? How do you season it? And I say, well, basically, I put the amount of salt and pepper that you would put on it, and then I double it. Double it yeah. Because when I buy a steak to serve to somebody, I get a nice thick steak, right. which means it's got to have a nice crust of seasoning on the outside, right. or the center part's not going to have any flavor except for just the meat, which exactly. on this is probably okay. But if you're getting the thick cut, like lower grade filet or something like that, you really need a nice salt crust. And I've heard a story about a famous chef that was teaching a steak cooking class and and one of the students tried to reprimand him and was like hey don't you think you're going a little bit heavy on the salt and he's like i'm telling you all right now you're all under seasoning your steaks right and and i think that you have to take into consideration the thickness of the cut when you're thinking about how much seed is that fair absolutely i mean it's like whenever we do our brisket here you know we we basically coat the entire brisket in salt and pepper it's right. falling off right because you you're, you're not getting that salt into the meat unless you put a bunch and allow it to kind of soak in i mean the process called osmosis where you're like curing and brining mm -hmm. it's sucking in that salt uh but that takes time okay and on a brisket that works because you're smoking it for 12 to 14 to 16 hours uh on a steak you're looking at an hour maximum on a steak this thick Right. So you don't have a lot of time for that salt to kind of soak in like a marinade. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, absolutely season. Another thing, too, that a lot of home cooks forget to do is that it's okay to season a steak after you've cooked it. Okay. So a finishing salt, like a Malden or a black sea salt or something like that, is a fantastic way to impart that flavor once you've already cooked the steak. You've got that crust, and now you've sliced it, and you're going to fan it out and put it on a nice presentation tray. Go over it with a little bit of sea salt. Yeah. And, and I've been doing that. And by the way, if you ever buy a Snake River Farm steak, you can actually order your uh, finishing salt while you're ordering your steak. There you go. All right, so let's prepare these cuts for the grill. Absolutely. So again, real simple on these. Again, that rendered marrow fat, it doesn't take much because these already have so much fat in them. Um, and just get in there with it. You know, you gotta, you gotta get your hands dirty a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now this is the, uh, this is the gold. Uh, and so you're gonna see a little bit more marbling on this one. A nice healthy dose of salt on both sides and then of course fresh cracked black pepper and uh, and that's going to give you we actually prefer to grind a la minute if you will uh, it allows those oils to kind of be fresh and and come out other side this is kind of the boring part right just seasoning i don't know it looks pretty sexy to me <laughs> Yeah, a couple years ago, I did a video on, on prime rib in a similar approach where it was a, uh, a three-bone prime rib, and we, we kind of coined the term the flawless prime rib or something to that effect. Don't forget your edges on these thick steaks. Yeah. And, um, and the beauty of, of that style of prime rib is what we did is we actually cook it in a really high temperature oven, say a 500-degree oven. You can already see that marrow fat starting to solidify. Yep getting kind of gelatinous on here. Yep, yep. Um, 500 degree oven and a huge coat of salt and pepper and a herb butter on the outside. And then uh, turn, turn the oven off 
and just let the steak finish in that hot oven. And it'd be a, you'd be amazed at how, how much flavor is developed in that resting process and the juiciness of that final product. Salt and pepper are your friends and you can't ever have too much right. when it comes to this. A lot of it's gonna fall off on the grill. Sure, sure. You know, so. All right. All right, so we're ready these, for the grill. Are these guys ready? They are ready to go. That is awesome. Well, let's head over to the grill and grill it up. Let's do it. So our steaks are finished. Oh that? Look at that. That is a thing of beauty. All right, Adam, we got to teach the people. We got premium steaks. They're off the grill. So what do we do? All right, so first and foremost, off the grill or out of the oven, regardless of what you're doing, it needs to rest, right? A lot like what we talked about in the beginning, let your steak hang out at room temperature for at least an hour prior to going onto any cooking vessel whatsoever. Same rule applies at the end, although not so long. About five to 10 minutes is usually good, depending on how thick the steak is. And one cool little trick that you can do is make a little teepee uh, with aluminum foil. And that creates a lid that'll allow some of that heat to escape, but not escape so much that you're serving a cold steak, right? So in this case, we brought it out of the oven about 10 minutes ago, allowed it to sit at room temperature. Now we are doing two different cuts, like we talked about earlier. One of them is, Double R Ranch Angus, and then the other is obviously the Snake River Wagyu in gold. So um, we actually got sent a little a little bonus over here, right in, right, right in front of uh, Randy here. So you got some gold Wagyu nothing. Spinalis, some Spinalis over here, which is essentially the rib cap, okay guys? So the, the rib eye, when you're looking at it, you've got your eye, you've got your bone, and then you have your Spinalis on the outer edge. So we call it a rib cap. That is the best part of the rib eye, hands down. So, here we have the Angus. Now, anytime you're cutting a steak, always cut against the grain, right? There is literally never a time when you want to cut a steak with the grain. Um, you'll end up with, uh, with floss. And we don't want floss, we want dinner. So, we're gonna start on the, the, the far side, on the spinalis side, because everybody knows that the first person cutting it gets the first pieces that come off, right? <laughs> yes. So we're gonna start with the spinalis, that's for me. Everybody else gets the rest. All right, so we've got big chunks of fat in here. We've got some connective tissue that has been broken down over that long cooking process. And then that is what you're looking for, right? So that looks like a prime rib because that's what it is. It's just a smaller version of it, right? So same thing here. Look at the size of the spinalis on that. I don't know if you can get a, a clear shot of that, but that is chuck a in. solid inch chuck and a half. In. You got the chuck end here, rolling into the chuck eye right here. Beautiful piece of meat. And again, cutting against the grain on a bias. I can't cut completely against the grain because the grain's running this way, right? I can't go a completely against it, but I can go at a high bias to give you a very similar effect. And then again, you've got that beautiful spinalis. Now, what you'll see me start to do is turn slightly my knife as I'm working around because I'm working towards that bone, right? So when that bone starts to come in, it's gonna be in the way of my knife. So I have to turn the, turn the knife a little bit. So you're gonna get wider pieces over here but that will give you a really, really nice portion size that we can slide onto this guy. I also prepared a, an herb butter with a little bit of uh, bone marrow. So we render bone marrow down, right? Render some marrow down and then, uh, and then use that whipped into whole butter 
lots of parsley, thyme, rosemary, a little bit of sage, and some horseradish. Horseradish goes great with all things steak. Oh my God. And, uh, and you end up with this rich butter that is just unctuous and just fantastic pairing with this, with this particular cut, all right? So there's your Angus on this side, there's your Wagyu on this side. Another really cool thing to note, guys, is the color difference between Wagyu and Angus, right? You've got this beautiful Angus. These are both cooked identically. And side by side, the Wagyu has that beautiful deep red color, whereas the Angus is still red, right? You still know that it's beef, but it's not quite as bright red. And that is a telltale sign of Angus versus Wagyu when you That's look at this. PH thing. So the, the Wagyu cattle, they have a higher pH. So uh, we're going we're gonna to tell you some pork in a minute also has a higher pH. So that pH difference, and Wagyu cattle have that higher pH, Angus have a lower pH. That's what's giving you that color difference. It just gives you that pop. We actually struggle with guests at the restaurant thinking their Wagyu is not cooked. cooked enough, right. Because color does not equal temperature. Sure. But we have guests <laughs> that want a medium or medium well steak, and they're like, oh, it still has color. No, don't kill it. Don't kill it. Right. Wagyu has that beautiful, bright red color due to the pH of the meat. That's not representative of the temperature it was cooked to, that is as the genetics, it's the pH of the beef. So what do you do with this rendered fat? Is it, do you spread it around? Yeah, so uh, ideally, um, you let it sit for a moment. As soon as it came out of the oven, and you probably didn't see it, but I had it melting on top of it, so it's kind of already showered into gotcha, the steak. Gotcha. Uh, but then I add a little bit extra, and then another thing that I like to do with these is this big surface area that doesn't get covered in seasoning, right? You got that beautiful crust on the outside, but the middle of the meat has no, no seasoning necessarily. So a little bit of a finishing salt. In our instance, we're using Malden sea salt. Uh, so that little crunch of, of beautiful sea salt will help to kind of bring everything together and pull out all the flavor. All right, well, why don't you sit down with this and we'll talk about how we can pair this stuff with bourbon. Absolutely. All right, so the moment we've all been waiting for. We have Wagyu ribeye, we have prime ribeye, and we have a high-grade cut of pork chop. Is that correct? That's correct. They have been cooked flawlessly. Over a wood-fired grill. Over a wood-fired grill by Adam. And we've been educated about the differences between these cuts. But the one thing that I don't know very much about is pairing steak with bourbon. Because even though I run the Bourbon Real Chalk channel, I mostly drink wine with steak. Sure. So can you tell us why drinking bourbon with steak might be a good idea? So as red wines are acidic, so using, why do you pair red wine with a, with a steak? Those acids cut away those fats. Well, whiskey's even better at cutting away the fats. So it cleans the palate, especially with the Angus. The Wagyu, the palate, the palate kind of stays a little bit cleaner, but with the, with the Angus and with the pork, whiskey really helps clean that palate. Mm -hmm. So as your, your palate will tend to wax over after first three, four bites, and, and that means that you're tasting less of the you're flavor. You're tasting less of the flavor of the meat. Because your so mouth's co uh, basically it's coated. coated with wax. It's waxed over. Right. It's, it's waxed over with fats. So historically, we've had sauces, whether it's a Carolina acidic-based pork sauce, so you can continue to taste the pork, or whether it's an acid-based steak sauce, so you can continue to taste the steak. Now, Wagyu have a leg up that they don't wax your palate over as much, but what we're doing with whiskey is we'll continue to 
taste a little whiskey to go with it. Who knew? We, we clean our palate so we can continue to, to taste the real flavor of the beef. That's amazing. All right, so you, you're the chef, right? So you think about flavors quite often. Um, so let's talk about the different cuts of meat and let's talk about what you're thinking about when you're thinking about pairing bourbon with these meats. Sure. So uh, going back to kind of what we talked about in the kitchen earlier, uh, the flavors that are, that are there in the steak are going to be so subtle um, that anything too, too overpowering will destroy the flavor of what the meat should taste like, right? Okay. So it's like a marinade or anything like that. We want salt and pepper. We want to keep it simple, the classic KISS method, right? Keep it simple, stupid. And allow the flavors of the meat to come through in a way that is kind of unadulterated, right? And so much the same way we treat our whiskey. Um, leave it alone. Don't turn it into a, a cocktail necessarily. Let the flavors of that maturation process come through and let the oak come through and let the, the actual mash bill come through so that you can taste those subtleties. And again, much like Matt was explaining, the, the alcohol content of it being a little bit higher than obviously wine, um, you're going to have that kind of quick shot, burn, get through the palate and allow that to kind of cleanse and come back and try more. And you're gonna have all these different things that play off of each other. It's a lot like, why does there, why does there always have that, or why do you always get that, that one grain of salt in a chocolate chip cookie? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Why right. put salt in cookies? But when you get it, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. You yeah. just know. And that's exactly what you're experiencing with this because when you're tasting that whiskey, you're getting oak, you're getting leather, you're getting all these beautiful flavors that are so subtle uh, to the initial palate taste of it, but then you get the steak in there and it all balances. Awesome. All right, so let's talk about a couple of whiskeys. Do you remember what you have in your glass? This is the... Unallocated? Un uh, no, the goat. The goat, okay. Yep. So the prideful goat, 15-year Kentucky bourbon. It's got a good bit of, uh, you know, fruit flavor, a little bit of rice spice, some uh, clove, nutmeg, some cinnamon, and a little bit of smoke on the finish. So with this whiskey, My glass seems to be oh, empty. well, we can't have empty glasses on Bourbon World Talk. That is unacceptable. But you were not drinking the goat, so I'm going to give you a rinse oh, of bring it. Mm -hmm. Very generous of you, sir. Very generous. Of there you. you go. All right, so. You're a gentleman and a scholar. So when you're thinking about the flavors of this whiskey, it's a little bit higher age, a little bit of barrel tannin, a little bit of smoke, you know, those types of things. Right. What are you thinking of pairing that with? Exactly why I just tasted that, the Angus. Um, you know, it's got a lot of flavors going on with it that allow the Angus to kind of speak for itself because Angus is going to have a little bit lower of its own backbone, if you will, compared to a Wagyu. Uh -huh. uh, and so you don't want to completely overpower it. This one's, it's there, but there's a lot more subtlety to this than with, with a, a higher priced, higher proof whiskey. So. I'm a novice, I should know, but which one of these is Angus? This is your Angus over here. Okay, all right, let me try it with the whiskey. And, so it, and Angus just is a little less exciting than Wagyu. It's just, there's not, there doesn't have the, the definition. It's depth of character and flavor. So the goat is, is, is a great pairing with this to kind of, to offset it, to balance it. Gotcha. And so is there, is there any whiskey characteristics that you would avoid with this steak? Uh, yeah, actually, again, uh, I would avoid something like a higher rye because okay. again, you're getting, you're getting into that place where it's gonna literally take that steak and drop kick it out of your mouth gotcha. uh, in terms of flavor. Right. Um, you want something a little bit more subtle, not so in your face and, uh, and allow the steak to actually come through because the steak itself 
needs a companion, not a, you know, play second fiddle to the whiskey. Gotcha. Well, I do have to say, <laughs> this steak is phenomenal. Good. You did a great job cooking it, and Snake River Farms did a great job raising the cattle because this is amazing. Oh my gosh. And that herb butter comes through in this one quite a bit as well. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a lot of that richness. It's still subtle though. Mm -hmm. It's not overpowering. Right. It's like a uh, symphony. It's not a... It's, it's, it's crescendo. One, crescendo, two, three. yeah. One, two, three. Okay, all right, so that's the goat. So let's talk about another whiskey. You guys have a great relationship with Iron Root Republic, just north of us in Denison. We do. And you all had this whiskey uh, as a single barrel, correct? Yeah, so this is one of our single barrels. So typically every month when you're here, it's a different single barrel. We have an evolution project with them. So what we do is we pick barrels, we bottle a quarter of it, we put it back in the warehouse, Three months later, we bottle another quarter and put it uh, put it back in the warehouse. So it's a fun game to play. You were here, you had this barrel, but that was three months ago. Mm -hmm. And in Texas, you know how aggressively we age whiskey. Whiskey ages very quickly in Texas. Especially so we reduce the, the, the barrel. Right. More oxygen in the barrel, more wood exposure. We aggressively age the whiskey as we, we continue along. So this is actually pool one. This is an interesting barrel for us. This is a rye, 5% rye, but it's a Elbon rye out of Enid, Oklahoma. So on the, on the rye, most rye comes from far north, North Dakota, South Dakota, Canada, with a, a higher bushel weight. So when you have a higher bushel weight, a more dense rye, your protein to starch ratio is higher, more protein, less starch. So what's interesting on this rye blend a sweeter rye, it's a smoother rye. This is a southern rye, so in the world of rye for bread, mm -hmm. not good. In a world of rye for whiskey, amazing. Pretty good, because yeah. that starch ratio's there. Less protein, more starch, it's sweeter finish. Doesn't really even finish like a rye. Accompanies the Wagyu very well. Okay. So 95% uh, organic yellow dent corn grown here in North Texas and then 5% Elbon rye from Enid, Oklahoma. Yeah, so this is a much bolder flavor than, than the Kentucky bourbons. It's a pot still whiskey. It's, it's, it's far oilier. So the, the column stills tend to strip out the, the, the fusel oils right. from the grains. Right. And this is made on a pot still. It's retaining a lot of that. Exactly. So do you match oily with oily? Is that? Uh... You know, I think that, that that's a good summation of it for sure. I don't know that I've ever actually thought that far in depth that's about great, it. That's right. I don't but that's a, that's that. a good, very good way to look at it. Okay. All right. Well, let's try this out. And, and this is the Wagyu, right? That is correct. I can and tell you, now. You might be on the Spinalis. <laughs> Actually, I think you are on the Spinalis. You're going to have oh, to share no. that a little bit. Yeah, we're taking that. We got to be careful because there's other people that have to eat the sp Spinalis. We can't eat it all as much as we want to. What other people? If y'all could see the other side of the camera right now, you'd be so excited. <laughs> Everyone was dancing. You know what? 
That was an amazing pairing. <laughs> you know, there have been times when I've been at the house and I'm trying to pair bourbon with whiskey and it, it it's kind of seems to clash. Uh, but what you're saying makes sense, right? Like you, you, you pair like with like. So right. this is a very oily, viscous whiskey, bold flavor. Place it with a steak that's got a higher fat content, that's got a bolder flavor, right. and they'll play well together. They, they, they're battle the titans, right? So that's essentially what this is. Again, earlier with kind of that, that more subtle meat characteristic flavor profile of an Angus ribeye, um, and, and not that an Angus ribeye is subtle necessarily, but by comparison, you're, you're apples and oranges, right? So again, with this, you've kind of got this titan of a whiskey with that rye kick that's coming through in a way, and it's a younger whiskey, so it's gonna have that, that kick in your face a little bit to some degree. And again, like we talked about, I mean, a minute ago, we had a 15% rye whiskey out here that, or a 13%, I can't remember what it was, but um, it didn't have nearly as much rye characteristic as this does, right? even with only 5%. Uh, and that, that you attribute that to A, the type of rye that we're using, and also B, with the, the aging process here in North Texas. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's probably more the aging um, and, and, the cor and the heirloom corns varietals and things. Right. Um, and so we have a slightly fruitier whiskey. Um, what do you think about when I say, okay, this whiskey's more fruit forward, it's not, um, it, it doesn't have a lot of rye spice, it doesn't have a lot of um, like barrel flavors, it's not smoky, there's no leather, it's not tobacco. When I, when I say those characteristics, what do you think about pairing that with meat? So, uh, as a matter of fact, earlier when we talked about this, it's, it just goes straight to a pork chop. Um, because again, going back to the roots of what you normally pair with, with pork, as Matt was explaining earlier, you know, you've got some, some sauces like a Carolina barbecue that is traditionally paired, paired with, a, uh, with a pork butt, right? You look at all the Carolina barbecues and, and that's what you're getting is gonna be. So that pork is gonna lend itself much more to a much more I'm renting your glasses. Oh. I'm renting your glasses. Look I, at you. I, Look I, I, I don't. So I don't want to contaminate. So no cross contamination here. What a there we go. Like All right. So this whiskey, this whiskey is unallocated, which is a brand that I helped create. That is, uh, you know, kind of a someone say whiskey Facebook-based whiskey club brand that we created. We have some very exciting things coming down the pipe. I'm super excited about what we're gonna be able to do. Um, these gentlemen were privy to conversations that we had about some really special barrels that we may be able to get. But this particular whiskey is just under, under seven years, MGP, high rye bourbon, aged mostly in Indiana, but spent about six months in the Texas heat, which changed it quite a bit. And Six this, months in Texas is like three years anywhere else. Anywhere else for sure. And so this whiskey is very fruit forward. And so I'm curious to follow the master chef's direction and see how this goes with the pork. Because, you know, I see a lot of um, pork is paired with uh, some sort of an apple butter or something like that. So it makes sense that maybe a fruitier whiskey would go with right. it. And you got to get a piece with some fat on there too. That's going to help to kind of. It's going to be hard hard to find one without any fat on it. 
on these pork chops that, that came in from Snake River Farms. They got some good uh, marbling in there. Mmm. Excellent pork chop. That actually works really, really well. That just well. pairs so well. Who knew, you know, with whiskey with proteins? Right. And, the and the honest, world is talking I've, about pairing wines with proteins for 300 years. I've been afraid. Yeah. I've been afraid to try and pair whiskey with protein, and you guys have convinced me this is the thing that can go down. Yes. So, is there anything that we have not covered about the Wagyu, about the pairing, about the cooking, the cutting, anything that you guys want to cover? Um, I don't know. I think that, was there something earlier that I would mentioned, but I think that uh, we pretty much, we covered a lot. We covered a whole lot. So. so, if people want to find more information about what you have going on, Matt, because you've, you've got the... You, you have the restaurant, yeah, the you got the butcher shop, you're, you're getting into apparel. Yeah. yeah, you got all kinds of stuff going on. Where do they go to find that information? So all of our websites out there, localyocalfarmtomarket.com. We've got local, uh, localyocalbarbecueandgrill.com. We've got lyoutfitters.com. But, you know, if you want to order meat shipped to your house, that's the local yoko farm to market. If you want to come in and enjoy what Adam West and his team create, every week here at Local Yoko Barbecue and Grill, localyokobarbecueandgrill.com. If you need to look good and have a Wagyu whiskey and wine t-shirt sent to your house, that's LY Outfitters. We're outfitting you to be a local yokel so you can uh, ship, ship that to your house. And uh, you know, the, the pairings, the greatness of all these different things, it's so fun to, to, to experience these different sections of life. Right. Whether it's the, the, the Double R Ranch Angus, the Snake River Farms Angus, the Kirabuda Pork, and how they pair differently with whiskey. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is what we've loved. Maybe you love something different, but experiment. And sure. we're breaking down the wall. Right. So historically, the wall has been you have to have white wine with fish, you have to have red wine with steak, you have to have. The whiskey wall is here. The whiskey wall has been torn down. You can have whiskey, you can have bourbon with steak, you can have bourbon with pork. It's finding the bourbon that works with the pork. Finding the bourbon that works with the Wagyu. It's finding the bourbon that works with the prime Angus and finding out what works together. And it's having that great experience, you know. In the, in the last year, the world has changed. So we forever went to a restaurant where someone like Talented Chef Adam West created something for us to enjoy and now a lot of us are enjoying things at home mm -hmm. so you can have steak shipped to your house you can have pork chops shipped to your house and you can create this experience at home mm -hmm. all right so whether you choose to do it dining out or here with us or with with another amazing restaurant it's it's just fun to experiment break down the wall break down the wall of this is what we've always done white White wine with fish, red wine with steak. It's a whole new world. It's 2021. Let's break out. <laughs> it's 2021. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that you can have steak shipped to your house because Snake River Farms has been an amazing sponsor of this particular episode. There's no money associated with this, but they were gracious enough to donate the meat for this episode 
And they have also agreed to send one of you, one of you, a steak pack. Now, let's keep in mind that these steaks are like $150 retail, okay? Uh, we're also gonna get you a specialized meat thermometer that goes in the steak so that you can't mess it up, okay? You're gonna, you're gonna download an app, you're gonna stick the thermometer in the meat, the app's gonna tell you not to like overcook the steak, basically. And it's going to tell you when the steak's going to be finished, okay? So there's gonna be an awesome pack that's gonna come to you. All you have to do is go to the YouTube channel and if you look in the show description, there's going to be a link for you to click on and you can fill out that link and just add your name to the list of people that want to be in the randomizer to get this awesome price pack. Now, this isn't going to be up forever, obviously. We're going to put it up for a good bit of time and then we're going to remove this from the YouTube channel. So if you're seeing this, there's still time. You can go and look at the show description. You can click on the link, you can fill it out. They're gonna send steaks to your house. They're gonna send the meat thermometer. You're gonna be able to recreate this experience for yourself. Now, if you want information about Bourbon Real Talk, you can find that at bourbonrealtalk.com. You can find that on YouTube and Facebook forward slash Bourbon Real Talk. And we would love for you to go subscribe like, comment, review, all of that stuff helps the channel. And it's gonna look, get a little bit sad for a second, but I wanna let you know our channel philosophy. So part of my impetus for starting this channel was caused because I had a brother that committed suicide. He was a veteran, he had PTSD, and what I realized and what my family realized after he took his own life was that there's people all around us that they feel alone. They feel rejected. They don't feel connection. And I don't want anyone to feel that way. And what I discovered was that bourbon has a tendency to fight those feelings because bourbon brings people together. I also noticed that we live in a very disconnected society and people that have different political views or sexual orientation views or religious views or any other conflict of views are very prone to say hateful things to one another online. And I figure if they can hate someone that they don't know, it's just as easy for me to love them. So I wanna let you know that if you woke up this morning and you were unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you and I'll see you next time. I'm Bourbon Real Talk. Can I have this piece of meat? Yes.